Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on January the 11th, 2011. Newcomers, as always, I ask you to go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and help yourself to the audios that are available there. There's hundreds to choose from. We're trying to give shortcuts to those who are going into it, maybe for the first time or even halfway through. Shortcuts to the big picture and big system in which you live. And I try to break your programming in the in the process. I hope that that will happen because we are manipulated on every single level and really society has always really been that way in what they call civilized societies where you have propaganda and you have hierarchies and so on. It's important for those who rule to make sure the public at the bottom are kept really chasing trivia and as, and they're kept as content as possible with as little information as possible, certainly with as little truth as possible. And we're in the website, remember, um, you're the audience who bring me to you, so please buy the books and the discs and so on I have for sale at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And you remember they all carry, all those sites you see listed there carry the same audios, they carry transcripts in English of a lot of the talks I've given. And if you want transcripts in other languages, go into alanwattsentinel.eu and you'll find a selection to choose from there. From the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can order by using a personal check if you want to order books and so on. You can use an international postal money order from your post office. Uh, you can use PayPal to order. Just use the, the donation button and send the appropriate donation, followed by an email with your name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. Some people just send cash. And across the rest of the world, it's the same things. You have PayPal for ordering. Just use the donation button and an email to me with your order. Uh, you can send cash, too, from most countries. And you can also use um, Western Union for straight wire transfer. And that's very quick, of course, but um, it's kind of expensive. Uh, MoneyGram does the same thing. And MoneyGram can also give you a check instead of wiring it. If you want to post it, that's a lot, lot cheaper. So it's up to you how you want to order the wares, as I say. But that's what keeps me going because, as I say, I don't bring on the advertisers to uh, to push the products, which is fair enough. It's fine in, in a, a, system, a system which depends upon money. I mean, that's how folk make their money. I don't. So it's up to you to keep me going. If you like it or not, it's up to you, as I say. Um, you can keep doing that. Remember, two donations are appreciated, and it's always the same people who donate all the time, even though thousands listen. And... What I'm doing here is, is partly educational to try and teach you how the world really operates and how your thoughts, your own thoughts, and maybe even your beliefs have been arrived at, your conclusions to things, how they're arrived at, and how you're trained to come to certain conclusions. We can only come to conclusions judging on the information that's fed into us. 
And again, we're trained to listen to experts, as Russell said, would happen back in the 50s or 40s. He said they would train us all to believe in experts until we couldn't think for ourselves. And that, unfortunately, has happened for most people. We've been trained since birth now to believe in experts. And uh, whatever they say must be the gospel truth. It's all scientific. And uh, therefore, what do we know? And we parrot them. The easiest class, actually, to indoctrinate according to their own statistics from universities and studies happens to be the middle class, those who go to university. They want to belong to their own peer group. They want to believe, believe they're special. And they don't want to stand out from the rest by saying something that the rest cannot uh, go along with. So uh, those in the bottom actually are more numerous and have more chance of escaping it if they want to think for themselves. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. I generally don't follow the regular news. In fact, there's a a complete uh, dearth of news right now. There's so much nonsense out there and trivia out there and repetition and even recycled news from long ago coming out right now, which makes you wonder what on earth is really going on. And I'm sure one's going on about the shooting in the States of of the government official and so on by the, what, the lone gunman type thing. And that'll, that'll keep most of them happy for a couple of weeks is that it's hashed to death because some character uh, ends up going on a, a shooting spree, a guy with a, a long history of obviously mental illness. And um, we'll never get to the bottom of it if you had a handler or not. And supposedly his cameras picked up a second person with him who may have been his handler. And surprising with all the cameras that they have, especially at these events, they just can't pick up the idea of the, that person. They could pick you or I up if you dropped a piece of paper, mind you, and you get a fine for it, but they just can't find who this guy was. So I won't even touch that right now. But I'm sure, of course, the other side uh, will use this to make hay um, for more laws and more restrictions and so on to further segregate society from from those that they think represent them, uh, maybe getting something like the Pope Mobile or something for these characters each time they come out in public uh, when they're running for office or whatever, and um, they'll be fairly impregnable from uh, the machinations of people with odd ideas. But we live in a world now that's rapidly changing. It's that book by Brzezinski called Between Two Ages is well named because we are going through two ages from one to the next. And of course, this is, even in the mysteries, of course, they talk about this over and over. That's why you have Merlin. There's so many movies out on Merlin and uh, various spin-offs of the book of Merlin because that was passing between one age of magic, you see, and pantheism into another age as well. And of course, Merlin ends up in the crystal rock uh, sort of a trap for time or whatever. And the old gods die off and in come the new that's what they mean by that. And technically, uh, that's what we're going through today as well. There's been at least 500 years of war on Christian churches, for sure. And now most folk are pretty well atheized. And they are getting trains, again, as I say, by a new priesthood, because there's always a new priesthood of experts to 
and they're raised by experts too. Even in the cartoons they watch, everything has so much, so much grant money goes into children's novels from your governments uh, that you would not believe. People make their whole living on living on government grants to write children's stories and to put in the correct things for the period, the, gre- the greening stuff. Uh, the older generation are bad and gluttonous, and they spoiled it for everybody to come, and that kind of thing. So the children are getting fed this at an early age, and then they're popped into kindergarten, where it's it's further amplified, and then it's all through schooling until they came out to be the perfect product, like an assembly line, really, that that's their masters want them to be. They'll have the exact right opinions, and if they keep those opinions and don't rock the boats, they get their quality approval, Stamp at the end of your schooling, that's a little certificate that says you're now fit to join the system and serve your masters as a good taxpayer. So there's always a, a priesthood there. And today is academia, of course. It's the sciences. Sciences were to rocket to the top, and uh, they have rocketed to the top. Even when their, their predictions are crazy and don't turn out to be true, it doesn't matter. Um, and even when much of their experimentation ends up in disaster for everyone, it doesn't matter either, because belief overcomes reality in such a religion, you see. And they have such a great massive propaganda machine on the go that even when they're caught to be cheats and liars, such as a climate debate and so on, uh, they cannot back off because they put so much machinery into motion to control the future society. Don't forget that Sir, Sir Charles Galton, and others defined what they meant by eugenics. And eugenics encompassed all ecology and economy and sustainability and carrying capacity for the planet. And, of course, after World War II, when it was found out what the Nazis were up to, who actually put into practice something that, that was uh, been taught in Britain for an awful long time, uh, then eugenics got a bad name. And so they had to camouflage it. They would never give it up, of course, because this is the spearhead of science. And they had to change their names for different societies. In the U.S., they call it the Society for the Study of Social Biology now. That's the American branch of eugenics. And we also have bioethicists rather than calling them eugenicists. And bioethicists come on board panels, even on television, when it comes to new ideas like should we terminate children when they're almost born or three-quarters out of the womb or whatever else. They bring on these these experts, these new high priests that pretend to be concerned on behalf of the public, even though the public never nominated them or voted for them or gave them any authority whatsoever. We're so trained today, we don't even ask who put these guys there, who trained them, what is their field. And, of course, you find that eugenics is behind all of it. And it goes way, way back. And tonight I will put a site up, I'll put it up before, with a lot of the quotes and extracts from their books and so on of people who advocated the very system we're living in today. And what's interesting, too, is that um, around H.G. Wells' time, when they founded the Fabian Society, and that one of the biggest billionaires in the world backed it with their money. They were sent over, actually, to do so. That was the Astor family. Uh, then they really thought they could build up an army inside countries that would eventually kill people on demand if they de- deemed them unfit. Uh, the very thing that Hitler implemented, uh, a sort of Department of Hygiene, 
and they would send these clinicians around schools and so on to test people, and if you were defective, they would just simply kill you off. And he was quite blatant about it, along with Bernard Shaw and others. Uh, and it's surprising to our ears to, to, to hear these things said, and it's surprising to even read them. But these guys were deadly serious, and they thought that basically governmental power and force would be necessary to do it all. But they changed their tactics, of course, uh, during, again, more scientific study, when they realized that using the techniques of Bernays and others, they could literally alter society so that the society would have no children or have very few children. And they make it undesirable to have children, and that's why they went to war against marriage itself. And again, massive entertainment until they would separate the male and the female. They, they would work hard using our tax money to bring in, in contraception and, and offer free sterilization, of course, too. And literally give you a party atmosphere for your whole life, a youth culture. Something that would be so overpowering that even elderly women would try and emulate it and never really grow up. And that has happened. I lived through this whole phase here, watching it happen. Quite amazing. And, of course, the average woman of today who's out partying when she's young, uh, dressing like the, the women on, on music television, uh, wants to stay in that image forever. Highly desirable, sexy, all the guys whistling at her, and uh, that's really where she wants to be forever. It's an impossible thing to have, of course, because aging hits us all. And even then, they go neurotic and spend so much money trying to, to look young through plastic surgery and implants and everything else. It's just astonishing the money is spent on it today. So, one way or another, the eugenicists got what they wanted. They got a population that, that, that can't mate. They divided male and female through almost a war, a gender war. And at the same time, they gave hyper-promiscuity. They promoted it. And they wrote, wrote about it too, how they would do that. Julian Huxley uh, did write about that, that they would promote hyper-promiscuity, which would be uh, basically fine to do uh, as long as it didn't have children, as long as there was no children from the outcome of it. And again, too, as far back as the 1920s, they were experimenting with special schools, trying to see if they could uh, get children interested in sexual behavior before the puberty, with the idea that if they could start that and really make it almost um, a neurotic need, not just a drive, but a neurotic need, uh, then they would never bond. It goes from multiple partners their whole life long. And that also has been pretty successful. But let's go back to the to the time when the characters first came out the closet. And they go back to Malthus. And the, even before Malthus, the aristocracies of countries were always scared stiff about the, 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 the masses underneath them. That's why they had all these advisors. Kings and queens would have stacks of advisors around them in special areas just like today. And read the works of Francis Bacon and the writings he did for King James as he tried to get a job, a kind of resume of how to manage the gullible public and never tell them the truth or anything. And read Machiavelli as well. So, you see, they've always been terrified about the public knowing just how much of their earnings they skim off them and leave them with very little at the bottom and to live a very high lifestyle. Nothing really has changed because those in charge of the world, and there are people in charge of the whole world today in this day and age, 
uh, who can rationalize whatever they do. Psychopaths are very, very good at rationalizing whatever they do. Recently, I watched uh, the John Pilger um, documentary on the war you don't see, it's called. And he talks to some PR man for the Pentagon who has that kind of chipmunk face with a perpetual fixed smile. And he's asked some questions about uh, why aren't they telling the American people the truth of what's happening over there and the mass slaughters are causing and so on. And the guy goes through his smiling chipmunk uh, routine of being of, of doing what he's trained to do, but he's also a born liar as well. Because, you see, unless you're a born liar, you couldn't go home and sleep at night and be comfortable with yourself if you knew uh, all the stuff that was true. And there you are in front of a whole nation lying about it quite easily. Psychopaths are important for this system to manage itself. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. Just talking about eugenics for a little while. Because, you see, it's on the go today. It's all the news. It's just they don't use the term anymore. They call it sustainability because that's the tact they chose to go, uh, convincing the public that they'd have to go. Uh, There's too many of them, and the the world can only carry so much and and so on. There's an article the other day came out from the United Nations itself admitting that less than 2-point-something percent of the world's land surface, not excluding the sea, the land surface, was inhabited by humans. There's just so many of us, eh? 2.2 percent. Anyway, uh, it doesn't matter about what reality is. The propaganda is overwhelming, and that becomes your reality. And as I say, that's what Sir Charles Galton and his other relatives, the Darwin families, talked about too, that it was a whole, the ecosystem, everything, ecology, was all bound up together. So rather than just force folk to have abortions, force sterilization on the great masses, unwashed masses, they would create a different kind of society, massive promiscuity, but no offspring. And that generation would eventually just die off, quite happily dancing away, you know, which is kind of happening today. And at the same time, um, they would create a dominant class. In fact, they said the dominant class was already there, the ones who'd proven their worth. But but now they've, they've, they've changed their tactics from trying to persuade you to go and get sterilized to using, oh, sustainability, sustainability and climate change. It's the same people behind it all, you know. The same big foundations, the same Rockefellers, etc., and the whole slew of foundations behind them who are behind this. And they put people in power. That's so much cash, they can put anybody in power in any country. Here's an article here going back uh, for the call for sterilization and the great hero H.G. Wells, everybody loves his books and his, and his time machine and everything else. But his real, his real work was in eugenics and non-fiction works, if you care to read them. And he was a founder of the Fabian Society, along with Shaw and others. He said, I believe now uh, that, and always, the conscious selection of the best for reproduction will be impossible. That to propose it is to display a fundamental misunderstanding of what individuality implies. The way of nature has always been to slay the hindmost, that's those who are a bit, they don't quite make it, the feeble, etc., or the sick. 
and there is still no other way unless we can prevent those who would become the hindmost being born. It is the sterilization of failure. Failure and not being perfect, he means, and not in the selection of successes for breeding that the possibility of an improvement of the human stock lies. And that was in the American Journal of Sociology, volume 10, 1904, page 11. Then he was on about speculation about a future eugenic state. The dominant men of the new time will find in themselves, it must be remembered, I'm speaking of a class that is naturally segregated and not of men as a whole. He's talking about a different class of, well, you have them, an elite class today of men, you see. They're segregated from society. They don't mix with, with, with you at the bottom. They travel through cities through stretched limos and tinted windows and security guards. They don't mix with you at all. And it says, uh, and not men of a whole, a desire, a passion almost to create an organized, to put an order, control freaks in other words, to get the maximum results from certain possibilities. They will be artists in reality with a passion for simplicity and directness and an impatience of confusion and inefficiency. The determining frame of their ethics will be the elaboration of that future world state to which all things are pointing. It is manifest that a reconstructed ethical system will be, will be given very different values from those given by the existing system. The ethical system of these men of the new republic, the ethical system will be, will dominate, which will dominate the world state, the world state, which is all around us today, will be shaped primarily to favor the procreation of what is fine and efficient and beautiful in humanity, beautiful and strong bodies, clear and powerful minds, and a growing body of knowledge, and to check a stop the procreation of base and servile types of fear-driven and cowardly souls, of all that is mean and ugly and bestial in the souls, bodies, or habits of men. To do the latter is to do the former. The two things are inseparable. In the new vision, death is no inexplicable horror, no pointless terminal terror to the miseries of life. It is the end of all pain of life and end of the bitterness of failure, the merciful obliteration of the weak and silly and pointless things. The new ethics will hold life to be a privilege and a responsibility, and that's what you're getting trained into now with communitarianism and so on. And the alternative in right conduct between living fully, beautifully, and efficiently will be to die. For a multitude of contemptible and silly creatures, fear-driven and helpless and useless, unhappy or hatefully happy in the midst of squalid dishonor, feeble, ugly, inefficient, born of unrestrained lusts, and increasing and multiplying through sheer incontinence and stupidity, the men of the New Republic will have little pity and less benevolence. The men of the New Republic will not be squeamish either in facing or inflicting death, because they will have a fuller sense of the possibilities of life than we possess. They will have an ideal that will make killing worthwhile. You can tell where Hitler got all his ideas from. The preeminent value of sexual questions in morality lies in the fact that the lives which will constitute the future are involved. If they are not involved, if we can disassociate this relationship from this issue, then sexual questions become of no more importance than the morality of one's deportment at chess or the general morality of outdoor games. The men of the New Republic will rout out and illuminate urban rookeries and all places where the base can drift to multiply. And I'll come back with more after this break.
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix, just reading this article by H.G. Wells from some of his writing. And he says, The men of the New Republic will rout out and illuminate urban rookeries in all places where the base can drift and multiply. They will contrive a land legislation that will keep the black or yellow or mean white squatter on the move. It's like, you know, like tent cities, I suppose. So that childbearing shall cease to be a hopeful speculation for the unemployed poor. This thing, this euthanasia of the weak and sensual is possible on the principles that will probably animate the predominant class of, of classes of the new time. It will be permissible and I have little or no doubt that in the future it will be planned and achieved. And then you go on to George Bernard Shaw, one of the co-founders of the Fabian Society as well. So he's still on the go yet. So, I mean, Tony Blair was a member, and uh, Brown was a member, Prime Ministers of Britain, and uh, lots of U.S. people, too, are members of it as well. But George, and interesting too, Annie Besant was a, one of the people first on the board as well. Her job was to segregate women from men, and start to start the whole women's lib movement, basically, to get them apart from the from the, from the lower classes. Uh, it says here George Bernard Shaw: extermination of the socially incompatible. The notion that per, that person should be safe from extermination as long as they do not commit willful murder, or live a war against the crown, or kidnap, or throw a vitriol is not only to limit social responsibility unnecessarily and to privilege the large range of intolerable misconduct that lies outside of them, but to divert attention from the essential justification for extermination, which is always incorrigible, social incompatibility and nothing else. So he's all for it. And, of course, he's the guy who wrote Man and Superman and how those who couldn't keep up would have to be killed off. And here's what he also advocated, George Bernard Shaw, the great writer, you know. He says, the use of gas chambers. We should find ourselves committed to killing a great many people whom we now leave living and to leave living a great many people whom we at present kill. We should have to get rid of all ideas about capital punishment. A part of eugenics politics would finally land as in an extensive use of the lethal chamber. A great many people would have to be put out of existence simply because it wastes other people's time to look after them. And that was George Bernard Shaw, lecture to the Eugenics Education Society, uh, reported in the Daily Express, March 4, 1910. Killing those unfit to live. The moment we face it, frankly, we're driven to the conclusion that the community has a right to put a price on them and the right to live in it. Uh, if people are, to, are fit to live, let them live under decent human conditions. If they're not fit to live, kill them in a decent human way. Is it any wonder that some of us are driven to prescribe the lethal chamber as a solution for the hard cases, which are at present made the excuse for dragging all the other cases down to their level, and the only solution that will create a sense of full social responsibility in modern populations? And that was in uh, prefaces, it was called. And that was printed by Constable and Company in 1934, page 296. Of course, Margaret Sanger is in there, and Oliver Wendell Holmes, uh, Bertrand Russell, Conrad Lorenz, uh, uh, Thomas Malthus, Darwin, and, and a whole host of others. And today, as I say, they call themselves by disguise names. They're bioethicists, and they're, 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 they're for sustainability, uh, 
and different ecology, etc., etc., save the planet, the greening thing, all that kind of stuff. But, of course, they have a scientific elite, which maybe is, is more effective uh, than simply popping us into gas chambers or killing us at birth or shortly after birth because nobody wants children anymore today. So there you go. It's been pretty successful up till now. When, when people go into geriatric homes, still trying to dance to music that the young are dancing to, and have nothing to tell the young, because all, all their whole, all they have in their head came from television their entire lives. Now, there's Brad from Texas on the line. We'll see if we can get you in there. Brad, are you there? Hello? Yeah, I was, I was kind of wondering, these control freaks, is it because they have a delusion of grandeur, they feel like they're so uh, above the average person that they perpetuate this uh, situation by controlling the rest of us through television and various other tools? I was wondering, uh, have you heard of the uh, document that was found called Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they're, they're using this kind of technology, and I'm sure it's escalated way beyond that. Yep. Uh, are they going to eventually use television and other tools that they have in our house? Because, of course, they got microphones in a lot of the cable boxes, people don't realize. And they're going to use supercomputers eventually to monitor you. They're going to have a, a, a bio uh, register of what you are, what your personality type is, what your weaknesses are based on maybe your genetic code. And they're going to use uh, maybe binaural entrainment via uh, frequencies through uh, pulsing of light or sound to... Uh, control certain uh, uh, parts of society, people that are a threat to them. Is it going to escalate to this point? I mean, are these people that demonic? It's already there. <laughs> because because uh, when you look into the, to the workings of, the, of the, the departments within Microsoft itself, and I've read them on the air here, when they were testing out the helmet for interfacing with the computer games and so on, they can actually map out your brain, your, your, for you, just your particular brain, and uh, it will, just that the computer will gradually adjust itself to your habits, uh, any modern computer. Um, they have the things for the helmets, and these helmets literally stroke the brain with uh, pulses and sense what parts were working uh, and certain emotions, depending what's on the screen and so on. And the other article I read the same day, in fact, on the air from Microsoft as well, a different department in Microsoft was already working on uh, one that didn't need a helmet. They were going to use the frame of the computer screen to pulse out the energy to your to your brain. So technically, uh, this this stuff is already. In fact, when they ever tell you something or they're working on something, I've I've found in my life it's generally old stuff. They've already done it. And, yeah, they're way um, beyond that, probably. Yeah, they probably have the circuits and the computers already. Mm-hmm. The EMF fields they can custom induce depending on the uh, the user they're interfacing with. There's no, there's no doubt on that. Even the effects that, that when children get on the computer games, uh, and, and just that, 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 that alone, just, just the visual effects and the sounds that they have and so on, and they're, they're gone for hours. They're just gone for hours. And they, they admit themselves it's, it's meant to be addictive, and it is addictive. And I've read those articles as well. Yeah. And it seems they're funding the whole operation through competition. They've convinced everybody they start it when you're young, that competition's everything. You, you won the race. Johnny won the the hundred yard dash. All the other kids failed. Yeah. So it's it's I won. You, you, the rest are bad. And they they reward kids like this throughout their life. So they've been trained to think I have to be better than my neighbor. So they have to have the fancier car, or the new product, or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I try to tell people who are into money. I say 
you know, if you get, I give you Howard Hughes' best car that he had, you can't trade it off for its value, just whatever he drove, you wouldn't be happy with it. But he was happy in that day because he was better than his neighbor. Yeah. And that's how most people function today. In the future, we'll have cars that fly and do all sorts of things, but people seem to be happy if they have that Escalade with a fancy system and whatever. So we have this competitive society who buys this garbage at Walmart and other other outlets to fund this new world order. They're, they've got all the corporations to own all this garbage that they're feeding us, making us think we need it. And it's all it's all one up in shape on your neighbor instead of living the life that a great man years ago came to earth to teach us, uh, Jesus or Yeshua, told us, taught us to live in harmony and be, be there for our neighbor and share, and, and we're all equal. I bet they really did hate that man. <laughs> oh, I'm sure of it. Uh, there's, no, there's no doubt at all. So again, they have admitted too that they've used high sciences of psychology and they have fostered competition uh, to, to an incredible degree. Again, keep up with the Joneses or, or even be above the Joneses. And, um, and that's what people are trying to do in their silly ways. Uh, they don't realize that they're, they're helping fund their own demise uh, along the way uh, through their taxes and all the taxes they pay and, and the destruction of their children's minds with all the gadgets they give their children. They, they don't know they're, they're actually going along in a, in a social agenda planned by people way above them uh, that they, ne- they never even hear about who know exactly what they're doing and where they're taking us and we're all complying it and they make it fun. That's something you see that Bernard Shaw and these guys never thought about was making it fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they can walk around holding their head high thinking, I'm so much better than the than the, the flyover country because they're the ones creating this uh, psychological cesspool of people who are just uh, very vacant, very base, baser people who just think about sex all day long or the, the next drink or, or owning something that the neighbor doesn't have. I mean, they, they walk around this elitist attitude they're the ones who create this atmosphere. How could they, they feel do. superior to people? Just because yeah. they've broken away from the spell, and they know what things to avoid to keep their friends, their friends and their children from being entrained in this system of consumerism right. and materialism. And what we're seeing now, of course, is the generation that literally was raised on television uh, and much older, and literally the television was the greatest weapon ever devised. It was the greatest weapon and uh, it wasn't to educate people, it was to not only control them, but alter their behavior. And, you know, monkey see, monkey do, and everyone mimics what they see on television. Even though it's in fiction, uh, the emotional parts that are written into the fictional plays, movies, and so on, you identify with them, and they can bend your emotions in all kinds of directions until the very tenets that you found very dear for your survivability are destroyed and you start to compromise saying, well, they're not, these people are not so bad and so on until literally you have no morality left to stand up for. And that has happened with society that they've been perfect at this and they're still churning them out with, with stories in them, knowing the people will identify with the characters and they bend all morality upside down until even the more, most bizarre stuff it becomes normal and they act into their own lives too. Oh, yeah, they've, they've twisted so much that I think Aldous Huxley had it right when he said that us revolting against them would be the equivalent of uh, sheep revolting against the eating of mutton. Yeah, that was Russell. And, and, and but at that time when he wrote that book, they knew that the social sciences and with, with um, guys like Bernays working with them and the Macy Group and the Frankfurt School and the, the uh, they also had the, uh, was it the... Um, 
there's another group we helped to, to join them. They were given orders by their president. They we're going to get massive funding to bring in a new society, and they have actually done it. It's still ongoing today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and they have all these black project budgets that are through the roof, secret money. They're supposed to work for us, yet they're keeping all this stuff secret for them, and they're using it against us, and when they depopulate the earth, they're going to use all that technology for their utopia. That's right. And it's like the old poem, you know, man will go out with a whimper, not with a bang, because he won't even know he's going out. They don't know they're going out now. You have a dysfunctional society. Uh, you've got a crazy dysfunctional society today because all natural uh, purposes for, for living and even bonding has been destroyed. And um, psychiatrists are making a fortune of lonely people in all age groups now. Uh, who've done it all, seen it all, except one thing, it's that they have no permanent mates, no, no best friend, they have nobody, and they're aging. And the, so the answer to that is lots of pills and lots of pills uh, or plastic surgery. Yeah. Funny you bring that up because these psychiatrists today have been trained that anyone who talks about these things that are coming down, like you and I and others, is mentally ill because of oh, that's right. this isn't going on. This is where it gets paranoid schizophrenics. Yeah, yeah, obviously it has to be. Because, you see, under psychiatry, it's very simple. You're supposed to just simply be happy. Just be happy. Under any circumstances, just be happy. And if they can get you back into the flow of the work society that maybe broke you down in the first place, trying to earn a living and get you into purchasing, buying, partying, having lots of sex, then they say that now you're fine again. See, you're normal again. And, And that's what they mean by that. That's all they care about. Nothing about morality... Um, reasons for, for living, etc. Just replace it all with, with uh, commercialization, lots of sex, and having parties and having fun. You know, this, this whole idea of having fun is a fairly new phenomena. And it started again uh, with the 50s and 60s, speeding up with all advertising. Advertising really changed its tactics. They didn't come on and, and sell a product. They came on and sold an idea with happy, smiling faces in the background, and there's mummy having an orgasm when she gets the latest gadget for her kitchen. And literally, they sold that whole idea was you're supposed to be happy all the time. Human beings are supposed to be um, all-inclusive of all kinds of emotions, from the deepest sadness to, to ecstasy. And that's where your thought processes can really sail off and learn and mature and gain wisdom. It's not when you're, you're happy and happy like a clown all the time that you become wise. So, so they've literally, they've literally fixed us. They've fixed us in, in a, a stage of perpetual juvenilism. Yeah. And if you don't manage to stay on that mountaintop all the time, they give you medication to keep That's you right. there. Because normal life has valleys and, and top. Without the valleys, you can't have a high. And it's just the way yeah. we have. To, it's a, we're a comparative creature, and we have to have reference points. We felt like this yesterday. Now we feel like this. So that's what gives us the excitement, the elation of life, the fabric of. Of emotion is is your lows and our highs, but they want everybody to be kind of neutral, and eventually we'll all just be like zombies, I guess. That's correct. And the greatest the greatest writings, the greatest writings ever stirred the imagination, uh, and music even uh, of the past that came out came out during times of reflection or even despondency in some people, and and that gave them the creative ability because you can't get it when you're going around grinning like a fool all the time. It doesn't happen in those uh, those periods. It doesn't happen at all. You need the lows to, to, to mature and, and, and generate that wisdom. Yeah. But, but thanks for calling, Brad. I'll Thank go you. on to, to Mark from Massachusetts. Are you there, Mark? 
Hello? Hello, Alan. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah. Alan, how you doing? Um, it's great to finally get through here. Um, I used to work in public education, and I see exactly what you're talking about. It got to a point where you hand a, a paper or something back to a student. You don't say hey, you have your mother or father sign this. It got to a point where it's guardians, you know? Mm-hmm. You don't want to even offend anybody anymore. Yes. Yeah. And it's really sad to see it, but it's all true. Have you ever observed public education in America? Yes, I have. Uh, there's there's a few, quite a few good, good books out, plus I'm in touch with different teachers in Canada and the States. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just have a couple of quick questions uh, You know, other people want to get through here. Uh, you mentioned the Fabian Society. Uh, rumors have it, uh, JFK, was he uh, associated with them in any way? I don't know. I, I know some of the, the Democrats in the U.S., quite, quite a lot of them actually belonged to the same organization, as I say, that Tony Blair and so on uh, belonged to. It's a world uh, organization. Um, so, but I wouldn't be surprised if he, he certainly knew of it and must have met with, with many of its leaders, in fact, during his lifetime. Yeah. Okay, that, that's good. I just have one last question. Where does Chavez, Castro, and Morales fit into this new world order? Are they rogue communist countries, or are they working for the big boys? They're working for the big boys. If, if you go into the history of Castro, for instance, you'll find that he was the best friend of Pierre Trudeau, who became uh, Prime Minister of Canada. Now, Pierre Trudeau uh, was, a, was a Rhodes Scholar, uh, and he also... Um, was the leader of the Canadian Communist Party. He led the Comintern Youth Canada to Moscow in 1952. And then later on, in the late 60s or 70s, he became uh, Prime Minister. And Fidel used to come over to Canada in his uniform and visit him, and, and, and he'd go over there. They were all working towards the same goal. And uh, this is out in the open now. But there's the, there's the import of the media. They didn't say anything when Pierre Trudeau was running for, for his candidacy that he was actually a, the communist leader. Yeah. Wow, because I saw Morales uh, talking... I'll tell you, hold on, and we'll come back after this break. Just hold on. Hi, folks. We're back, and we're cutting through the matrix, talking to Mark from Massachusetts. Is he still there, Mark? That's uh, so a caller from Ontario, and Mark dropped off, I guess. Hello? Hi. Um, yeah, I have a question. Well, I have sort of a... Okay, I, I've been hearing lately people say that some of the things that seem to be operations, you know, from the uh, elite are being done really kind of sloppily, like you can see through them very uh-huh. easily. Yeah. At least if you're awake. And uh, do you agree that they're getting more sloppy or? Not really. I, I think they're, they're, they're so confident uh, because of the Internet. You see, everyone puts up their data every day. All the chatter of what they're experiencing goes up on the, the Internet daily, and they take note of this, and they see what trends are trending and all the rest of it. And they know if, the, if, if most of the public are under uh, hypnosis or, or following Lady Gaga or whatever. And they know it's, they can push ahead and, and, and go further than they used to without being so careful when most are distracted with other things. So, and do, you, do you think they're actually, like sometimes I get the feeling that they're, um, they get a kick out of being sloppy because the ones, those of us who kind of see through them, it's almost like a, a slap in our face. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, it, can, it can be that too. It can be that, but I think really it's just the fact that they don't have to be so careful anymore. And most of the public literally don't really care what's happening in the world. And they don't really care what's happening even in their own countries. 
as long as it doesn't affect them personally in the pocket immediately or curtail, curtail their way of life, you know. You, you do hear a lot of people say now, oh, they're panicking, you know, they're panicking and that's why they're not being careful. And I, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think they're really particularly... They're, they're not panicking in the least, not at all. Yeah. Not, not what's, not a, none at all. No, that they, they have the pulse of the public and on an ongoing real time basis through the internet and all the chattering and so, and so on. They, they know exactly how people are responding. And if, believe you me, if something big happened, and they got awfully sloppy in the reaction to it, or if they caused it to happen in the first place, they would simply pull back and have their their damage control experts on on television, or they'd distract us all again with something else uh, on television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks. It's a perfect art. That's what it's down to. Thanks for calling. Thank you. But uh, yeah, it's a perfect art, and uh, when you look into like a lot of the links they give, you look into their all their connections and all of academia and all the departments of academia that from all over the world working together to keep us dumb and stupid while they bring on this beautiful world order, it is just astonishing that, uh, that any of us can think at all uh, and even question, even question things uh, as we do. And as I say, they haven't won as long as there are those out there who can still think and question um, and that's what humanity is. For those who put you, it's one thing to physically catch, uh, capture you and bind you, but those who try and steal your mind, that's the greatest rape of all. It honestly is. And they're doing it at birth with the children. They're indoctrinating them from the youngest age into their big lie. It's, uh, this is awful. But again, when you read the history of the world, it's not really astonishing at all because all great powers have used techniques on their public so the small elite can live an incredibly wealthy, high lifestyle on the backs of the the public, often a willing public, depending on the particular religion they use, like ancient Egypt and so on. But from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you.